You're listening to Speak Your Style, a lifestyle and business podcast hosted by Sasha Bowlby and Liz Toombs. Thank you for joining us today. Um, We are so excited to have Laura Hathaway joining us, um, and she's going to talk a little bit more about her business, Learning with Laura. So Laura, we'll let you go ahead and get started if you can tell us a little bit about yourself um, and your background and your business. Hi, Sasha and Liz. Thank you again for having me on. It's such an honor. A little bit about myself. I am a teacher. I live and work in California. I have two daughters. One is in kindergarten and one is still in preschool. And I went to college in California and got my teaching credential, taught in the Bay Area for a while, and then recently moved to a new school district. And with those 10 years of experience, I've been so lucky that I was placed in different classrooms and worked with different age groups, which has led me to where I am today, which is I own my own tutoring and private tutoring company. And it is basically a company that allows students to interact with me and to tutor, whether it's in person or most recently online. And I work with kids one-on-one. I work with kids in small groups. Um, We have been doing some fun preschool things as well. And the whole idea of the company is just to really keep kids engaged and excited about learning. So with school ending, I assume that school has ended in California. Is that correct? Today is the last day, actually. Oh, okay. All right. So in Kentucky, it's been kind of gradual over the last couple of weeks, just depending on what county you're in. Uh, but I know everybody's really loved getting out earlier than, than normal. But I guess, what are your thoughts with school being done now and going into summer um, on if there's anything parents should do with their students or is it time to take a break or you know COVID kind of shook everything up so what's your stance on what to do going forward before the school year starts? I think it totally depends on the family. I know right now depending on what whether both parents or if it's a family with one parent or caregivers if they are working full-time it's really hard And I don't feel right suggesting, you know, you should be working with your child all summer long because they can't do that um, because they're working. And so it really depends on each family. But I would say over the summer, and this has always been my recommendation to families, even before COVID, is to read with your child every day. That's the most important thing. It's the easiest thing you can do. It's the biggest bang for your buck is to sit down and to read to them and have just a couple, you know, a couple minutes. Ideally, it's five to 10 if they're younger, closer to 30 if they're, you know, around age 10, having them read with you or to themselves. So with the, with the baseline of absolutely, you, they should be reading if you can, even if it's a story before bedtime. The next layer I would say is that it's really important this summer of all summers is to keep up their academic understanding because studies show that there's something called the summer slide. And it basically means, if you think about a slide like on a playground, is that it's a slippery slope. So once you start downhill, you quickly go downhill. And so what that means in relationship to education is that when you take a break from education, the longer you take that break from, you know, instructional time or learning new things, um, your, your, the best way to describe it is like your brain kind of slows down and you start losing things and you start losing them faster and faster. And so when the kids go back to school in the fall, 
it's harder for them to jump back in right away. They need a they need to kind of um, reestablish or remember what they already learned before they can learn new things. So the scary part about it is this summer is that kids have already been out. You know, the summer slide for some kids have already started because teachers are doing the best they can and you know, they're trying to help parents out and parents are trying to do the best they can, but kids, some kids have already started kind of plateauing, meaning that they're not learning anything new, which is fine. And some students have already started regressing. They've already started their summer slide. So my advice to parents is that if you can, you know, if you have the time, if you have the energy, if you have the means, is to try to really work with your child the best you can to get them ready for fall um, academically. I was checking out your website and through your social media, and I read on there about how you are doing these weekly packets um, and different online videos. Can you talk a little bit about those um, in regards to um, the process of those, the cost, and if you have any freebies or things like that? Sure. So the weekly packets was something I started right when COVID hit because I noticed that depending on the school district, some schools were able to get materials out into the hands of students quickly. Um, I was really fortunate the school district I was working for was able to do this. However, where we live in Folsom, our school district is much bigger. So it took a little bit more time for the district to come up with a policy and for the teachers to have time to collaborate to get resources out to kids. So in the meantime, as we waited, I thought, I don't want to miss this time. You know, I don't want that, like we talked about, the summer slide piece to set in. So I started making packets for my daughter and quickly started sharing them and then later on selling them with other families that needed them in our community and even people out, you know, around California and outside of California, just so that their kids had something tangible to work on, especially younger kids. You know, a lot of older kids are used to learning on the computer and they can, they can interact with the computer and work on activities or websites, but younger kids really need that tangible piece, including, you know, practicing their letters and writing. And so they need those worksheets. And so that's what the packets were. And so those were set packets. And then now we're moving into summer is that I actually am pausing on the summer packets because there's already so many great summer workbooks out there. But if someone does want an individualized packet for the kid, then I would more than happy I've done that for some families already through my one-on-one -on -one tutoring service. The other thing that I have going right now are some videos and freebies that are on my website. There are some free activities posted on there, some worksheets, and the videos explain how to use it with your child. And maybe some teacher tips or even mom hacks that I've added in there to make it so that the parents can print it out and use it at home. The last thing we mentioned videos is most recently, so my younger daughter Reese is three and she would be in preschool and we have decided not to send her back to our preschool yet just because of COVID. We're kind of waiting and figuring out what works best for our family. But in the meantime, she and I and my six-year-old have been running preschool lessons online on Facebook Live and those are free. And it basically is a quick 30-minute lesson where I'll, we read and we sing and we count and we talk all about a theme. And so that's been a really fun thing to do with my kids and also a fun way to share education and share joy with others who need it.
I think that's so cool. Do your daughters love doing that with you? It is a hit or miss. <laughs> so I always leave it up. It's always optional. I always say, I'm going to, I'm going to shoot this video or I'm going to sign on and teach some kids about dinosaurs today. Do you want to join me? It's always an option, but it's funny if you've seen like the one I just did yesterday, my three-year-old, it was not just not a good moment for her. It was not a good day. She was tired. She's a kid. And so she's kind of on and off screen in the background. Like you can hear her knocking some books over. She's trying to find a book, but you know, it's funny because I, even my mom texts me later. She goes, that was great. But Reese looked like she was having a hard time. And I said, I know. And I thought, you know, I'm not going to edit it out though. Cause I think it's good for everyone to see that parenting is hard. And even when you're working from home and even as a teacher myself, parenting is still hard and my kids aren't perfect and you just got to roll with it. Yeah, that, I think that's so right. I can appreciate that you do the videos to accompany, um, you know, the written text or whatever instruction that you're providing people, because I think that really helps to reinforce things. And I think it also, depending on the learning style of the parent or the child, having both options could be really beneficial. Absolutely. And that's something that, um, that's something, you know, that I was taught as I went to school to be a teacher. And sometimes parents, parents know that, or sometimes it's things that they learn from their child's teacher is that we all don't learn in the same way. And so it's so important when our kids are at home is to try to tap into that the best we can. In the classroom, you know, your be the best teachers will be able to teach a lesson and they'll show them how to do it. They'll tell them how to do it. They'll have the kid try it and they'll have the kid manipulate it and talk about it. And so they get all those modalities. But at home, oftentimes we just give the kid a worksheet, you know, and I'm guilty of that as well sometimes if I don't have the energy. And so, with a video, with the videos I send, it tells parents how to use it and how to encourage the child to ask questions and how to incorpor incorporate things to count with or um, something else I always try to include in my videos is showing the parents the correct pencil grip because that's big and it sounds so silly, but as adults, we know that, you know, especially adults with arthritis, they can attest to, you know, small things you do with your hands make a big difference. So I'm a big advocate starting with as young as preschool is teaching your child and training them how to hold a pencil correctly to build up those fine motor muscles. And that's something I try to always hit in the videos that I send out with the, with the weekly packets. Now, Laura, I don't have any children of my own um, yet. And I cannot imagine just with my schedule, um, with day-to-day -day activities and tasks and things like that, how that I could even try to keep consistency, you know, with the students. So do you have any tips or tricks um, for parents that are listening on how um, to keep that consistency during the school time and over the summer, um, just to keep those, those things going? Sure, I would say, the first thing to do is to really stop and think about what time works best for the day for both you and your child. Um, so for example, my girls are early risers. They're morning girls. They wake up at 6.30, they're ready to go. So we usually do our academic learning time, even if it's only 30 minutes, we do it around eight o'clock because by then they've had breakfast and it works well with my schedule as well. I've noticed if I help them first, I can kind of push my work 
commitments back later in the afternoon when they might be tired. It might, the afternoon is not a good time, I've noticed, for my girls to try to sit down and do work. In the afternoon, they just need some quiet rest time or play time. So you have to find the time that works best for you. One of my clients, um, so she is six, and I work with her one-on-one. -on -one. Both of her parents work full time. And so what they have done is that they've, they have found a time, one o'clock, that works for their child. And she and I Zoom, and we do our lesson every day, whether she's with her grandparent or her grandma, or she's working with mom. And so we found a schedule. The best time of day for her is one o'clock, and we're able to do that virtually. She works with her parents at night at like 5.30 when they're cooking dinner. And again, that's what works best for them. So my first tip is to find a time of day that works best for you and for your child. The second thing to do is to have reasonable goals. You have to know going into it that you just gotta do the best you can. And to the parents out there that are listening, if you are even trying to work with your kid in the academic sense, then you're already winning. You're doing a great job. You are showing the child their education is important. You are showing your child that you are committing to their education and that it is an important thing for them. It's so important that you are finding a time in your day to work with them. I really like that you're saying to find the time of day that works for you guys, because there's nothing like, you know, trying to force it at a time of day when everyone's brain is fried, right? Right. It's like square peg, round hole. Um, you know, and I, I even see that with my own work at a certain point in the day, like important things should not be getting done because I'm starting to just, you know, lose the mental capacity for that. So I can't imagine for a, a child. How do you feel like things are going to go forward with schooling, Laura? Um, you know, based on just what you're hearing in the school system, uh, you know, will we go back to standard school days and school weeks and their usual schedule? Or do you think that will be adjusted um, as a result of COVID? That is the big question. <laughs> um, you know, I, do, I read as much as I can and follow as much as I can, you know, that my brain will allow all the different ideas and uh, proposals that I'll be throwing out. And, and the thing we have to keep in mind is that summer is a long time. I mean, two months is a long time for teachers and admin to come together and make plans and get parent input. So I do know whatever decision is made, it's definitely going to be thoughtful. Um, my other response would be, I think it totally depends on the state and even within the state, the county, um, you know, depending on what the facilities and what the budget is like, that's going to help you know, make some of those choices for better or worse. But I do, my gut is, is telling me that I think it's going to be a hybrid model. I think kids are going to be going to school in the classroom part-time and then at home part-time or in the classroom part-time and then at some kind of daycare part-time, which is the other big piece that I think people are talking a little bit more about is that, you know, we want, we want our economy to come to, to come back and it'll, it, people will be able to go back to work. But what about the kids that are home with them? You know, a lot of parents, myself included, use school time as daycare. And if the child isn't going to school five days a week, where is that child going to go? They can't go to school. They can't go to work with a parent. That's just not going to work unless the parent's working at home. But let me tell you from my experience, it's not the most productive work day. So 
in the fall, we're just not, we're not quite sure what it's going to look like, but I do know whatever decision is made, there's definitely going to be a lot of thought that goes into it, which makes me feel very confident. Yeah, I do think that piece of, of the daycare or the school and how that affects a working parent is crucial because, you know, my husband and I are, are child free, but we have lots of nieces and nephews. And so our siblings are dealing with that and um, our friends as well. And it's something we've been watching here in Kentucky as the state has reopened. Um, some businesses have not yet reopened because childcare is not available. And I understand that it's just unreasonable to expect their folks to come back to work when they don't have a proper place to put their child. So it's, it's interesting how everything kind of fits together and you wouldn't have thought about those components in that way before this? Um, you know, I'm, I, I'm the type of person that tries to find the silver lining and tries to find the good in scenarios, you know, even when we are hit with this, this, you know, monstrous virus that is hurting so many families and, but it really has made us all take a step back and figure out what is working, what is not, you know, what could we improve and how can we come together you know, as a community locally, you know, as a state, as a country, and how can we cross bridges, um, you know, internationally and come together to really make sure that we're helping each other and supporting each other. You know, one thing that I've just been reading through um, various articles talking about, you know, when the schools do open back up, that there might be um, the teachers that I guess won't, you know, some of them are talking about health issues, I mean, different things like that, that I think are making them um, consider not returning um, when school starts back. Um, however, I guess it starts back um, in the fall. Is that something that you're hearing amongst, you know, some of the teachers in your area? I know, you know, some of the articles I've read, you know, one lady, you know, had various health issues. And so she was scared to come back if there's a resurgence in the fall. I didn't know if that's just things that I'm reading online or if that's really a discussion that some of the teachers are having amongst themselves. I think it, I think it truly is a discussion. Um, personally, I have someone close to my family who's a teacher who has type one diabetes. So it's an autoimmune um, disease type of type diabetes. And she's a teacher, she's a first grade teacher. And other than her, her diabetes diagnosis, she's young, she's healthy. Um, but I do know, you know, I do know it has placed some doubt in her mind and in her family, you know, our extended family's mind out of concern, um, you know, whether how she's going to handle it and how, you know, how can she protect herself? And, and it's, so it's so hard because there's no black and white answer. You know, of course she decides she can do whatever she wants. And I, I, as of now, my understanding is she's planning on going back to work because that is her passion. That is what she loves. That's, you know, that's like her bread and bread and butter. She's this awesome teacher. And I, so I think part of that has to do with the mental health piece too, is that if teachers decide not to go back, I could totally see some people doing that for their physical health. Um, and I, but I do know they're also considering their mental health as well. And then I would say, I wouldn't be surprised if I saw a group of teachers retiring this year because the load and the things that they were asked to do this past spring for some teachers that are probably on the brink of retiring, it was a big demand. And 
you know, depending on your mind, mindset as a teacher, if you can, if you have a growth mindset and you're ready, you're going to do the best you can, you're going to give it a go. Um, they're able to keep up. But if you're a teacher that's close to retirement, you know, sometimes they think about well, how much, how much more is the school district going to ask of me? And how much more time can I put into learning this online platform? And is my health, is my health going to be an issue? You know, if they're close to retirement, they are in that 65, that might be up, they might be in that 65 years old and older age group. So I could see, you know, I could see this kind of weighing in on the decision of retirement as well. I think that brings up a good point. You know, you talk about one group potentially going ahead and being guided towards retirement because of how things are changing. But then I take a look at, to use your phrase, silver lining. You took this opportunity to find um, a way to serve your students, but also beyond and create this business. So um, I would like to hear a little bit more about just what pushed you to that point and where you think this business will go based on what you know right now. Cause I just, I love a good entrepreneur story. Well, so as I said before, it really, it kickstarted, like I was going to plan this summer before COVID hit, I had in the works some academic summer camps, small groups to work with kids on math or reading or writing and bringing them together just to help kind of counteract that summer slide that we talked about and for kids that need some extra support during the summer. And then when COVID hit, I realized gosh, that might not be a, a um, possibility. You know, I don't know if I can have them over into my backyard and, and then into my, my home classroom to do that. So I quickly pivoted or pivot uh, and put everything online and kind of jumped through it, became a learner myself, really trying to learn more about online platforms and what works best, tried out some different things with different students. and really listened to the community and listened to my friends and family that have children about what are the struggles that they're facing right now and how can I help? Like, how can I use what's in my wheelhouse as a teacher? What can, what do I have that I can help others get through this time and help learning be fun again? Because I hear the struggles of the kids and the parents crying and feeling frustrated that you know, they can't sound a word out or they can't finish this addition page, even though the child can do it. And it's just because learning at home is hard. Working from home is hard. You know, the, where we're living now, it's hard. It's everything is changing. And so I just feel really passionate about using my business as a platform to try to help families and help kids. And one thing I'm really excited about, again, this, this passion part came from what I've been seeing and hearing from the community. And so those summer workshops are gonna do, I was gonna do at my house are now online and I've already started them and I'm starting another group next week. I'm starting with a group of kids that are going into kindergarten and a different group of kids going into first grade focusing on reading. And the whole idea of this workshop I'm doing with them, it's a small group. So there'll be me and four other kids will log in on Zoom or five other kids. And I want to be able to offer them an experience of the three main things that they have been missing out on, the three main things that were taken away, you know, when COVID hit. And the three things are number one is teacher feedback, immediate teacher feedback, because 
teachers aren't able to give that the way they're doing these the zoom lessons they just don't have the capacity and so kids need immediate teacher feedback yes that's correct or no you know this letter makes that sound so that's the first thing the second thing that the kids need is that they need an opportunity to learn from their peers and that is huge in the classroom as a teacher I always tell my kids, it's okay if you don't know the answer. Ask a friend, have them help you figure it out. Ask them, how do you know the answer is for? Or how do you know that word is buckle? Ask your friend. Or when I call on a child, sometimes I know that just having one child say their answer, the rest of the, uh, the, rest of the kids, the 25 other kids that are learning from that one kid. And that is huge. And that's something that I've learned as a teacher is that to really promote my students to learn from each other and to teach each other. So then the third and final piece that the students have been missing is a learning opportunity without their parents. And this one's a tricky one because some kids do learn well and work well with their parents, especially those awesome parents and caregivers that homeschool. But a lot of kids don't. Um, as a classroom teacher, when I had parents come in and help in the classroom, the behavior of the child would change. It would flip so quickly. Um, you know, because the kids are used to being dropped off at school, say goodbye to their parents, they do their learning, they do their thing, and then they meet up with their parents after school. And that's been missing, and the parents have been missing that as well. Parents don't get a break. They don't get to drop them off and walk away. So with these workshops, the third thing is, is that I encourage parents is to log their child in and then walk away. Or, you know, sit right outside the door so they can absolutely listen what I'm teaching and how I'm teaching but leave the room so that the child feels like they have this own educational experience similar to what they would have in the classroom. So those are the three things, the teacher feedback, learning from their peers, and the parents being able to step away from the educational scene. Those three things is what I'm really pushing and promoting um, through my Learning with Laura business this summer. You can hear the passion in your voice when you're talking about um, your plans for students and, and your thought behind it. So um, I just really admire that in you. It makes me smile just, just hearing it and hearing how much you enjoy what it is that you do. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate that. Yeah, and when you were talking about your students learning from others, um, and it just came to mind how we all were able to get connected through the, um, Emily Lay group on Facebook. She put together a group of entrepreneurs, most of us female, I believe. Um, and that's how you and I got connected and we got Sasha in the group. And so I just really appreciate those types of opportunities because I think there's so much we can learn from each other, even though you, Sasha and I are all in completely different businesses, you know, there's always something to be gained from others. Absolutely. That was one of the the, the best groups I think that I've joined. Um, you know, I really enjoy who she is and what she represents. And yes, it has opened up so many doors and connections for me to make, to be able to reach more families and more kids and yes, and, gr and grow my business, but really to get my, mes me my message out there about education and how to help. Yeah, absolutely. Those of you listening who aren't familiar with Emily Lay, she uh, owns a company called Simplified and they do planners and several other things. And I have been a diehard Simplified planner user, I think like five or six years now. Do you use her products, Laura? I do. Let's see. I think I heard about Emily Lay through her 
first book, Grace Not Perfection, which has become like a mama motto for myself. Um, I have it hanging up in my house somewhere. Um, but yeah, she wrote, she's written some books all about just doing the best you can as a person, as a mom, you know, what are some tips she has? And then her planners are fabulous as well. And so I use the daily planner, which is great for all my note taking, even for my business. I've just really leaned into my daily planner and that's where I put all my my notes and my, I schedule in, you know, the times I have meetings with kids or podcasts like today. Um, they, she has a teacher planner, which I got as well. I've been using that a lot for all of my learning with Laura classes. And there's some other, some other products that she sells that are just kind of fun, great, useful things that I have in my desk area now that I'm working at home. Oh, I know it's all so cute. Like it's just, it's tailored and bright and colorful and adorable. I've read a lot of her books as well. And then have you seen that there's a, a pre-order available for the grace, not perfection for young girls? Yes, I did see that. And I sent it over to one of my cousins. Her daughter is going to be a freshman in high school. And so I sent it to her and I said, you should totally get this for Brooke or if not, tell me, cause I will buy it for her. Yeah. Um, I'm just really excited to see what her message is, you know, as a fan of hers and then also as a mom kind of things to think about for later on in the years with my own kids. I know I ordered three copies for my three nieces that are between 10 and 14. Cause I just, I know how much I enjoyed the adult version and I thought it could, it could really help them. Sasha, do you have any um, experience with Emily Lay goodies? I don't, but from what you guys have been talking about, I need to jump on that bandwagon. <laughs> you should. I highly recommend it. <laughs> well, Laura, if you want to tell our listeners um, where they can find you, how they can connect with you, because I'm sure they're itching to get in there and see what you have to offer. Sure. So I do have a website, but the best way for you to get there, because it's kind of a long URL is I'll tell you, um, my Instagram handle is learning underscore with underscore Laura one, two, three, or you can find me on Facebook, just search learning with Laura one, two, three with regular spaces, or you can also directly get in contact with me with my email, which is there's no spaces in this one. Get ready. Learning with Laura one, two, three at gmail.com. And from there I can sync you up with our website and tell you all about, you know, what Facebook lives we have coming up or what other free resources I'm coming out with and just keep you in the know. Now, Laura, normally we have just a couple of just quick fire questions here at the end for you um, to kind of bring it back to our fashion and interior design backgrounds. Um, so I'll start with mine first. Um, in a couple of words, how would you describe your personal fashion style? Let's see, my personal fashion style, I would say I'm a total jeans and top kind of girl. So, you know, if I'm going, if I'm going to work or if I'm going into the classroom, there's certain jeans I have that are nicer, or maybe some nicer pants, you know, depending on who I'm presenting to. But usually you can find me in jeans and, and a top, and that's what I'm wearing today. Um, even though I'm working from home, there's something about just putting on um, real pants for me. It's so funny. Putting on pants uh, makes me feel like I'm ready and awake instead of wearing leggings all day, which I do love because I am um, 
my friends will tell you, I love to run, I love to work out, but there's something about pants and a top that just always does it for me. Well, I'm impressed with that because I feel like everybody on social media has been saying all through COVID, like, all I'm wearing is sweatpants, all I'm wearing is leggings. So I'm proud of you for getting fully dressed. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> oh, so then I have the same type of question, just shifting gears to your home style. Tell us um, how you would describe your personal home style. Sure. Let's see. My personal home style, well, I live, so I, I'm married. I have a husband and I have two young girls and a dog and a cat. So you know, it's not just my home and my style has definitely evolved since my husband and I have been together. And, you know, since we brought children into our family, but I would say ours is like a mashup between modern and traditional with maybe a little rustic in there. So if you were to walk into our house, the modern pieces, it's really open. It's, there's a lot of white and gray with a modern couch and big pillows to make it comfy. But then the traditional piece is we actually have a lot of antique furniture that have been passed down for my family. Um, you know, just, we have a big family, a big California family. And so we have a lot of antique wood pieces, you know, in our, in our dining room, the dining room table that we use is the one that I grew up using. It was my parents. It's this dark wood color. There's also a, an old fashioned buffet from like the 1800s um, that still works. And I put some of my, Kind of fancy stuff in there and then um there's a twist there's a little bit of rustic because we also have some earthy pieces and two of my favorite pieces of furniture are two chairs that came from my grandparents house from their ranch house and they're worn in and they're comfy and they have leather cushions so you sit down and it makes that you know that leather sound that's old and they just feel worn and loved and lived in so that's probably the best way to explain my house. I like it. Your descriptions were good. I feel like I can, can visualize it. Sounds like a good eclectic blend of your life. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yes. Well, thank you again so much for joining us, Laura. Sasha and I enjoyed chatting with you um, and hearing about what you do. We know our listeners will love it as well. Thank you very much for having me on. It was such an honor again. And to our listeners, thanks for joining us, and we will catch you next time. Thanks for listening to Speak Your Style. Your feedback means a lot to us. Please leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you have any feedback or special requests, you can direct message us on social media. You can find me, Liz Toombs, and my business, PDR Interiors, on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And you can find me, Sasha Bowlby, and my business, Sash and Bow Boutique, at Facebook and Instagram.